Nashville Predators beat the Vancouver Canucks 5-4 to four in a quick, easy win that didn't stress anybody out at any given time. Of course, we're being sarcastic there. Yep, a lot happened on the road for the Preds to get that win, plus Ryan Johansson out with what sounds like a pretty bad injury. How will his injury maybe affect the Predators at the trade deadline? Today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day. Every single day, we are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day i'm nick morgan i'm a writer and editor and on the forecheck.com and i have a partner in crime you do i'm ann kimmel i'm a writer and editor at insidethepreds.com we also have a financial partner in crime and this episode is brought to you by fan duel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started and speaking of FanDuel and bets, yesterday we had our uh, Make Your Own Parlay episode, and we hit on a few things. We did. Yeah. We did. So, so there's positive. Uh, I think we might have been the only people celebrating uh, when Vancouver tied it with like 30 seconds left to go. Hey, we hit our blown lead over <laughs> twice today. Not Look at twice. us. Or like air high-fiving while everybody else is pounding their head into the keyboard. Yes. Yeah. We were celebrating with our millions, but we decided to come back to work today to talk about the game. Look yeah. at us. Also, also hit the over on uh, the goal scored. So, mm-hmm. yay us. Yeah. Uh, we had a dumb penalty, which, yep. <laughs> yay us. Happen. Uh, let's get to the game itself, shall we? Because there's a lot to talk about from this one. Uh, as we mentioned, Predators starting off hot, going up 2 nothing. Surprise, surprise. Vancouver came back and tied it up. Uh, but right after the Canucks tied it in the second period, Nino Niederreiter with a very clutch goal just 12 seconds after the Canucks tied it to make it 3-2 Preds. Mikhail Granlin added another one in the third. It looked like the Preds were going to ride out a nice 4-2 win. And then, with the Canucks goalie pulled, two goals in the last minute and three, both at six on five. Vancouver tied the game. No goals in the overtime. Went to a shootout. Matt Duchesne, the only player to score. Preds escape with a 5-4 win. And give me one word to describe the game. That game was a whole thing, but that's not my one word. That game was a whole thing. With two minutes remaining, it felt one way. As time ran out in regulation, it sure did feel another way. But for me, the takeaway story from this is my one word, and that is last night's game was a coming-of-age story which is a phrase that you hear a lot when referring to literature. People talk about it. My favorite book is To Kill a Mockingbird. That's a coming of age story where 
a child learns some sort of truth about the world around them, something heavy or something profound about the world around them. And I felt like last night's game was a little bit a coming of age story for the Nashville Predators because you had these younger players, these more peripheral players, players like Cody Glass and Cole Smith, who just for uh just to throw it out Cole Smith had the first goal of the game and I also think Cole Smith had the best game of his season absolutely 100%. best game of his season one of the best players out there for the Nashville Predators you also had Tommy Novak and Phil Tomasino and it was this 60 plus minutes of a coming of age story where you see these younger players and more peripheral players players looking at each other and having this realization like if we're gonna win this game it's on us yeah this game is not gonna be won by the veterans by the big stars we have to do this we have to win this game for the Nashville Predators so for me this was a coming of age story and it was full of all the great things that literature is full of highs and lows and surprises and shocking turns but in the end the heroes weren't who you thought they were going to be in this game yeah. against Vancouver it was these young guys these peripheral players so for me it was a coming of age story and yeah. I liked it yeah, and Yuso Parsonen, let's throw him in there. Too. Yes, two, uh, two points. Two assists last night, looked very engaged, good setup on Phil Tomasino's goal. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it, it's that's the bright way of looking at it, Anne. Like, <laughs> optimistic. Optimistic. My one word for me, by the way, we're going to get into uh, the performance of the young players a little bit more uh, in for a little sure. bit because we definitely want to deep dive that. My one word is shortcut. And I take it from the Simpsons episode where they're going to itchy and scratchy land. And there is, you know, they're going down the road. Homer's got his map and he's like, like, yeah, we'll take the shortcut. And Marge is like, oh, no, homie, don't take the shortcut. Stay on the road. He's like, trust me, we'll be there before you know it. And it shows them like getting off on this dirt road. And the next scene shows them pulling up at itchy and scratchy land at the big theme park and the car is missing its roof. There's like <laughs> banners like, like stuck to it. There's a U.S. Army missile like lodged in the front thing. <laughs> There's chickens flying out of Marge's hair and they do a close up and everybody's got like, you know, disheveled hair and bags under the eyes. And Homer just goes, all right, we made it. Let's never speak of the shortcut again. They got to where they needed to be. But boy, was there probably just a bunch of misadventures on that shortcut to get there, just like there were for the Nashville Predators. Everybody is saying two points is two points. Uh, some people are not happy about that narrative. Uh, Pred's Twitter was a place last night. That's for yeah. sure. I don't think the Predators are going to be happy with the way most of the team played. Other than the, the younger guys you talked about, but I mean, they got the two points. I mean, and if they win the playoff spot by one point at the end of the season, you can look back and it's like, well, they they got it. They, they got everybody. There. If they get a playoff spot by one point, I want everybody on Pred's Twitter to send Cole Smith some Venmo money for a beer. Yes. 
or you know a couple of shots of fireball whatever his liquor whatever his taste is yes yeah uh we asked you guys to chime in with your one words as well uh rob dellas uh he kind of backed on you man or he kind of backed up what you just said he said hopeful two goal lead collapsed twice was bad but novak parson and tomasino glass all look good tonight uh so yeah i mean that's that's a positive uh, a couple of uh, less positive points. Kara Perung <laughs> said we're better than this. Not one word, but blowing a two-goal leads twice. Yep, I agree with you. Bill L. said for sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daniel Rogers at Preds Threads said figures. Uh, yeah. And then Brian the Gamer 24 why, just why. Yeah, that's technically three words, but oh well. Um, yeah, so... It feels like Preds uh, fan base kind of capturing the up and down nature of this game a little bit, Anne. Yeah, I did want to hit on not only how well these youngsters played, these younger players played, but I do think we would be remiss if we didn't have the uncomfortable conversation about how the veterans played as well. Yeah, and that is something that we are going to tackle coming up in just a second uh plus latest on ryan johansson's injury doesn't look good doesn't sound good so what might the predators strategy be without him moving forward and will it impact the trade deadline at all but first want to mention today's episode is brought to you by fan dual sportsbook it's a midway point in the nba season which means now is the perfect time to download fan dual america's number one sportsbook and that's because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win all you have to do is download the fan dual sportsbook app which is safe secure and super easy to use and then you can bet on everything from money line to point scores to three points drained. You can bet the spread, money line, whatever you want on who's going to win the game. You can bet on player props, like how many points is Steph Curry going to score? How many rebounds is Joel Embiid going to get? How many assists is Damian Lillard going to have tonight? Plus more exclusive bets like the two by three which is two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes of the game. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss a chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, and we mentioned uh, before the break, we highlighted a lot of young players mm-hmm. uh, who did have good games, and but I feel like we would be remiss if we did not mention perhaps the reason this game was a little more cringeworthy than it should be. There's just a lot of bad play by players you're paying to give you elite play. Yes. We were watching the game unfold, and one of the things that we noticed is the line that seemed to struggle the most was the Granlin Johansson and Duchesne line. And we can call that the money line if we want to, because you're paying an awful lot of money for that line, and it just did not produce. Now, I know Johansson left with injury, but even while he was in there, this was a line that did not execute well. It's execution for me. And it's little simple things like um, passing. Instead of really connecting on a pass, tape to tape on a pass, 
it's more of like a, hey, I'm going to toss it to you. It's just almost a, a more of a comfortableness, not a confidence. And you yes. don't see that as much with the younger players because they are proving something. They are proving whether it's to themselves, to the coaching staff, to their families, to whatever, subconsciously, they are proving it. They are, they are executing, I think, a little bit better. And here's my thing. Even when the younger players make a mistake, they make a wholehearted mistake. You know, I had a choir teacher that used to say, if you're going to sing bad, sing bad at the top of your lungs. And I'm here for that with these younger players. Like if they're going to make a mistake, they are all in on that mistake. They are 100 percent playing hard and screwing up. I, I am here for that. I have grace and abundance for that. It feels like straight eye test, folks. I'm not going to unfurl the charts but it feels like straight eye test. You don't have that wholehearted 100% in going on last night with that top line. And, and I feel like these are players that we've sort of danced around that with this season. Like yeah, wholeheartedly. And, and it's not lack of talent because we have seen them do it. You can see the difference between 100% invested, 100% in, 100% hungry and comfortable. And I think maybe it's just a subconscious, comfortable playing hockey thing. I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I don't know how you coach out of it. Well, it's one of those things where one reason that I think so many people want to trade is just to make things uncomfortable for this team, mm -hmm. you know, eliminate some of the complacency uh, you know, that I think that in itself is a big reason why people want to shake up. It's just it, it seems like there's too much contentedness. I mean, we heard some rumblings of players being very unhappy with the team last year uh, when Victor Arvidsson and Ryan Johansson got traded and uh, some awkward moments when Duchesne and Johansson didn't get protected. And then to make matters worse. The, the Seattle Kraken didn't take either of them. They were like, nope, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah. And so, you know, that's – but what happened the following year? I mean, the Preds got off to, like, one of their best starts. You had all these people with statistical fantastic seasons. Um, and, and then, yeah, and then you, you – yeah, I mean, is that not kind of what you need to happen there? Yeah, and yeah. – I don't know. I do want to say, obviously, you know, when you're sending your top line out of Granlin, Duchesne, Johansson, those are three players that the other team has scouted. Those are the three players that are going to draw your best defensemen. Those are the three players that they're really going to play up on. But it wasn't even so much that they were outplayed by their opponents last night. Yeah. It feels like they are not outplaying. You know what I'm saying? And, and, I, and I wish I could quantify it well and here's well here you go uh according to natural stat trick last night mm -hmm. matt duchene ryan johansson mikhail granland on that line together five on five uh zero corsi four eight corsi against okay uh, which is essentially <laughs> yeah which is essentially mean uh they did nothing and the people that they were going up against on the other team did a lot. Did a lot. Yeah. yeah. Let, 
Let's talk about- it's, 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 the, it's the juxtaposition last night of the veterans and the younger players that I think has, that is almost more alarming to me than the fact that it took the Predators a shootout to beat Vancouver. <laughs> yeah, I agreed 100%. Uh, let's talk about the Ryan Johansson injury. Uh, kind of gruesome for those of you who didn't see it. Uh, Ryan Johansson uh, looked like he was uh, slashed with a skate blade across uh, the side of his leg. Totally accidental. Uh, Vancouver player was falling. His skate went up and just kind of nicked Joey going across. Did not look good going off the ice. You could just see him in a lot of pain, um, you know, kind of huddled almost in the tunnel, like having to, you know, get support for, from some players and, and some staff members to get down there. Um According to Teresa Walker, uh, she saw Ryan Johansson leave the arena last night uh, with a walking boot on and putting absolutely no weight whatsoever uh, on that leg. Uh, John Hines said afterwards that he thinks uh, it could be potentially a serious injury. And that changes, you know, a lot of things. Not only that, you, you lose some depth down the middle. Ryan Johansson, who's, you know, a very capable two-way center your best face-off guy yes a guy that you put out there late in the game in a lot of different situations um but yeah you just you already don't have Forsberg now it sounds like you might not have Johansson for a little bit what's the impact that this has on the team because I'm sure there's some multiple layers to this there are multiple layers to uh, any sort of long-term Johansson injury which of course we are hoping it is not but I will say just from what we have heard, what we have seen, I think Predators fans need to be prepared that Johansson's not going to be bouncing back into the lineup immediately. And and again, we'll wait and see what we hear later today from John Hines. But the the consequence of this injury is is actually relatively significant in some ways. In other ways, it may be an opportunity. Um, I think when you look at how the lines unfolded, Johansson was your 1C last night with Granlund and Duchesne. You ha- you have to be able to say Glass, Novak, Sissons, those are all really good, solid centers that, you know, you can kind of ship them around, bump them up. And, and in that respect, you know, it's not the same as having Johansson, but you've got some really well executing centers right now. Are they young? Yes. Except for Sissons, who's not old, but he's hockey old. Um, So I think in that respect, of course, it's not going to be the same thing, but that's a little bit easier. You hit on the thing that I think is going to be the most difficult for the Nashville Predators with Johansson out of the lineup. And that is the face-off circle. Right. That I think, you know, you set aside assists, you set aside goals, you set aside, you know, being a great top center, 1C, a great line mate for that top line. You are losing somebody who is magic in that face-off circle. He is who you send in those yep. tough moments. And, you know, who does Nashville Nashville have that's as good? Nobody. I mean, Colton Sissons. Colton Sissons. Colton Sissons is, is very good. So you do have Sissons. But, you know, Glass is still kind of getting there. Novak is is young and getting there. You're losing one of those kind of peripheral skill sets that's actually really important when it comes to things like possession. When you've got a defensive zone face-off, you want Ryan Johansson in that circle, friends. Absolutely. 
uh, trade deadline is coming up next week too. And it sounds like Philip Forsberg is going to be back in lineup, but if you don't have Johansson, it's going to be a tricky thing for David Poyle to navigate. And I know a lot of people are saying, you know, we're not going to be good enough to be in it. You know, we should trade so-and-so, whatever. This shouldn't impact anything. But, you know, you're going to want some veterans to kind of carry some of the load for these young players so you don't just, you know, have a burning trash fire that Yuso Parsonen and Tommy Novak and Phil Tomasino are trying to claw their way out of that they have some veteran help there uh, to, you know, carry some of the burden. And if Johansson's out, I, I don't think Johansson was going to get traded at the deadline anyway. Uh, I think that contract is going to be a summer project for David yeah. Boyle if he decides to move it at all. Um, but with that in mind, do you hold off trading somebody like Mikhail Granlund who can play center uh, just, just so, you know, you don't have players in these kind of drowning in responsibility roles that maybe they're not a hundred percent ready to do full time yet. Uh, or, you know, somebody like Nino Niederreiter, who is not only a good depth score, but somebody on the power play. His yeah. name has been mentioned in trade rumors as well. Johansson was a big piece of that power play. Do you try to preserve some of that depth so you're not, you know, waiting for, you know, Cody Glass to be like, okay, well, now you're, now your responsibility to score 10 goals on the power play. Right. Right. And I think you're absolutely right. You you look at this injury to Johansson and like we said, hopefully it is going to be an easy fix, but let's prepare for the worst, hope for the best. It isn't so much, oh great, Johansson's off the table, because let's be honest, like you said, that's a project. Moving that Johansson contract would be a project. Yeah. But where it is scary is things like Nino Niederreiter and Mikhail Granlin, because you absolutely change the dynamic of the team dramatically when you've got Johansson out. And then if you trade a Granlund or if Nito Niederreiter wants to go somewhere else, that changes everything. And let's face it. I I mean, I know I'm a optimist. Even I can't believe I'm saying this, but let's remember that technically the Predators aren't out completely of the wild card race. Like this is no. a team statistically friends. It don't look good. But they're still chasing that. This is not a team that has surrendered this season. And you want to be able to put your best players out there to chase that. You trade Mikhail Granlund, Nito Niederreiter, Tanner Janot. What does that do? What does that say about what you're willing to sacrifice this season? This Johansson injury affects a lot more than just the next couple of games. Yeah. And David Poyle, you know, say what you will say what you want about what the Predators should do at the deadline. David Poyle's history uh, shows that he does not like tearing things down if the Predators are in the conversation. Um, And can we talk about the defense for a second? Yes. Yeah. Uh, because what's been the bread and butter for the Nashville Predators since, oh, I don't know, 2003, 2004. You know what? We may not have elite scores. We may not have flashy players that are going to just run up and down the ice, but we will make it incredibly difficult to get shots on net. 
Yeah. And we will make it incredibly difficult. Uh, even if the shots on net go through, we'll have an elite goaltender that will make it incredibly difficult for those pucks to go in the net. Uh, it is just night and day uh, mm. with the Nashville Predators defense this season. Uh, they are now two, three, four, five, six, seventh worst in the NHL in terms of expected goals allowed. Uh, they are fifth worst in uh, Corsi against per game, which, you know, is basically shot attempts per game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that they're like 14th or something in actual goals allowed per game tells you that UC Saros should be getting a fruit basket. At but least. this. But this defense, and to me, it's becoming more and more and more of a story throughout the season because it's not getting better. And you have guys like Matthias Eckholm, who, you know, the stats show he is having a pretty solid stay-at-home defensive season. But you also have guys like Roman Yossi, who, you know, this guy was a Norris winner in 2020, not because of his like high scoring prowess, but because when you looked at stats, he was one of the better two way players. Yeah. And it's just, it's mind boggling to me with all like the talent on the defensive core, guys like Roman Yossi, guys like Matias Eckholm, guys like Ryan McDonough, who was, you know, in Norris conversations, you know, six, seven years ago. It's just incredible to me that this defense can't shut anybody down. I mean, it's like this game after game after game where it's just 35, 40, 45 shots allowed. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's a little bit, it's a little bit baffling to me because you can say it's because, you know, we've got these younger defensemen and we've lost Mark Borowiecki and Mark Borowiecki is a huge loss on defense, not just on ice performance, but just as far as kind of the heart of the defensemen. But it isn't just Jeremy Lazan. I know Jeremy Lazan has had a couple of rough games. Jeremy Lazan has also had some pretty good games. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Dante Fabro last night took some unfortunately timed penalties. Uh, Alexander Carrier, he's been out. He's only played, what, 40, 40 games, 40 some games this season. So yeah. he hasn't been in the lineup like the Nashville Predators would like him. And this, I hate to say it, but I will say Roman Yossi did not have a particularly great game defensively last night. And that's not the only kind of rougher game that we've seen him have. Now, yeah. you know, they're whole people. They got whole things going on and, and you know, grace and abundance. But yeah, this defense as a unit, it's not what Nashville is known for. It's not executing as the defense that when you come into Nashville, you're going to have to work for it. It doesn't feel like that this season. Is that strategy or is that just, well, I mean, it's, it's, did something change when the Predators went from Peter Laviolette to John Hines? Because say what you want about Peter Laviolette, but the Predators were pretty stingy defensively i mean even back then i mean remember the game one of the stanley cup final where pittsburgh went 30 minutes between shots on goal yeah and you know you think back and even the year that you know roman yossi won the norse he had a lot of points but he had 
a lot of good stay-at-home defensive skills. He had Ryan Ellis with him too. Right. So is this did something change in the strategy, the way the Predators are playing? I mean, we talked like Yossi's role has changed a little bit. You know, John Hines asking him to sell out a little bit more mm-hmm. and, and you know, jump into plays. But at the same time, you know, is it is he leaving his goaltending out to dry by doing that? Or is this just this Preds defense not quite what they were a few years ago? You know, there, there's no P.K. Subban, you Thank know, you. saving yeah. the Cavalry. There's no Ryan Ellis right? kind of right. being the shutdown guy for that top line. Is Is it, you know, that? Is it that they don't have the talent anymore? Or is it that something is different in how the Preds are playing? I think it's probably a combination of all that. I do think you have to acknowledge the fact that this defense without PK Subban, without Ryan Ellis, and not just them as individual players, but with the partnerships that they had defensively, that made the defense really good. And you've lost something that you're trying to rebuild there. I also think with Roman Yossi's last season, Roman Yossi was the play driver offensively. He was the playmaker. He is what the offense ran through. And when that is your role for a season and you come back in, you don't just shake, you know what I'm saying? Like you don't just shake off that role and go back to, hey, I'm going to go back to being more of like this defensively minded defenseman. And I wonder if there, that's a tough line to walk. For that to be your role. So, you know, I think there's an element of that. I think you're bringing in some younger players who are, you know, right now we've got Kevin Gravel, who is gaining experience. He's got, you know, he's got NHL games under his belt and all that stuff. But (laughs) But this isn't isn't a a team that is made up of a well-oiled defensive machine. And a lot of that is circumstance. Again, Mark Borowiecki going down huge alexander carrier being out huge you know right or um roman yossi and matthias ekholm and i say this as somebody way way older are hockey you know they're on the other side of the hockey age bell curve you know it's not quite the same and it's something that's going to need to be addressed you know we did not see the best defensive performance last night when you give up twice two goal leads. A, you make Nick and I some money, but B, right. that's some, that's, that's a thing you've got to address. And you have to remember like in the last minute, they couldn't, you know, they were on a six on five, get it. You were, you were out man, but you couldn't get the clear. You couldn't get, you know, a line change to get some fresh legs in there and, and that kind of thing. And those are the moments where you need not just not just your two defensemen, but you need everybody on there working towards that. And I think as we kind of try to close the chapter on this game and and look ahead to what's coming next, this Predators team has to ask themselves, you know, set aside, you know, the Ryan Johansson injury and what that means and set aside, you know, this wasn't the veterans best game and set aside, you know, thank goodness for these young players, but can they consistently continue this? The core question the Predators need to ask themselves is, if you cannot beat the Vancouver Canucks in 60 minutes, are you able to win a first round playoff series? Are you able to win a first round playoff game? Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at the team last night and I said this jokingly to my husband, but the team at 
you know, in chunks of the game last night. I'm like, this is a team that would get swept in three games in the first round of the playoffs, you know? So there's a lot that needs addressed with this Nashville Predators team if they are still going to get in the playoffs by chasing points. And and if they can by some way do it, there is a lot that will need done before the postseason begins. And the Nashville Predators go on the road against the San Jose Sharks. And here's the thing, and Sharks, 18, 29, and 11 this year. Uh, they are firmly in the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. This was their tanking year. Go through the stats. San Jose is better than them on the power play. San Jose is much better than them on the penalty kill. Uh, they're better at scoring. They have more goals for per game. Uh, the only thing they're worse at is goals against per game, and a lot of that is, again, UC Soros. Uh, they're better defensively, better at expected goals against. So they're playing teams with worse records that statistically are doing better than them. Right. And right. that's that to me – you know, that to me, I, I think I have my opinion on what the Predators should do uh, at the deadline. I have my opinion on what the uh, strategy should be moving forward. But, you know, when you look at stats like that, I mean, it's pretty good evidence that this team needs to be put under the microscope yeah. uh, very quickly. Uh, as we mentioned, Preds play San Jose on Thursday and then Arizona this weekend. It is going to be a interesting road. And, oh, yeah, by the way, next week, the NHL trade deadline. So there is going to be a lot for us to cover, a lot for us to break down. And where can people find your work? You can find my work online at insidethepreds.com. You can find me on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. You can find me at ontheforecheck.com. Follow me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan. Also, be sure to follow the podcast, LO underscore Predators. And however you're listening to us, whether you're watching us on YouTube or streaming us on your favorite podcasting platform, hit that subscribe button so you'll always know when we have fresh shows out for you. Plus, helps us out a little bit, too. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We will be back tomorrow with an all-new episode. We'll see you then.